You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Alrighty, everybody, we are in week three of our series, More Than Sex. Here's what I need you to do. Go ahead and grab the pens that are underneath your chairs. If you're in the aisle, go ahead and grab a pen, hand it down. I have provided you with an outline, a detailed outline of everything I'm about to talk about in regards to dating. Here's what I'm going to ask. Can I have everyone's attention real quick? If you're in the back or if you're in the front, everyone look up here real quick. Here's what I'm going to ask tonight. I'm going to ask that every single one of you would just be open to some of the things I'm going to talk about. I recognize that as, so some, of my, some of my comments are going to be unpopular. Some of them are going to be different than how you've seen relationships uh, lived out in your friends, maybe even in your family. I'm going to ask you tonight to have an open-handed posture to what we are going to talk about. Tonight, I want to talk about the truth about dating. Pastor Claire did a phenomenal job kicking off our series two weeks in a row. Give it up for Pastor Claire. She killed it. Two weeks ago, talking about family and friendship. Last week, she talked about singleness. Tonight, we are talking about dating. Are you guys ready to talk about dating? Y'all ready to talk about dating? Huh? Let's make some noise. Are y'all ready to talk about dating? Yeah, we are. All right, here we go. Let's, let's, uh, let's jump in. Tonight, we are talking about the truth about dating. Four facts about dating God's way. Four facts about dating God's way. First thing I want to say is this. God wants to use your relationship status for your good and his glory. God wants to use your relationship status, whatever it is, whether that's single, whether that's dating, whether that's in the future, being engaged or married. God wants to use your relationship status for your good and his glory. It means the kind of relationship you're in, God wants it to be a blessing to you, but don't miss this. This is where we sort of deviate from culture for a minute. God's desire is that your relationships would glorify him. It's not just about you and you benefiting from it, but it's about every part of your life, including your relationships, glorifying God. And I also need to say this, your relationship status, whatever it is, is not your identity. This is maybe the most important point of tonight because it is almost impossible to live in this culture we live in right now and to not think, man, who I am dating is everything, says everything about my worth and my value. Here's what's beautiful is we live in a culture that is, that is the, the beautiful part is what God offers us. The, the truth is we live in a culture right now that is trying to figure out how do I know my worth and my value? And so they've landed in relationships. In other words, you're worth something and you're valuable if another boy or another girl says that I want to date you. But here's the beauty of being a Christian. And maybe you're not a Christian, and maybe you're just coming and you're checking it out. Here's one reason of a billion to consider following Jesus. God gives you something that no boyfriend or girlfriend could take away. God gives you something that no job or salary or sport or talent could ever take away. 
Our world is longing to find its identity because God made us to find our identity in him, but the world has landed on all these temporary identities. And the good news of the scriptures is that God wants to give you an identity, and it's that you are his kid. That if you're in a relationship with Jesus, you are considered, he calls you one of his kids. He calls you one of his sons, one of his daughters. You have the opportunity to think of yourself and to know your worth and your value as somebody made in the image of God who has been forgiven by Jesus, who is in a relationship with him. And the beautiful thing about that is no boyfriend or girlfriend could ever take that away. So when he inevitably breaks up with you or she inevitably breaks up with you, or you inevitably stop playing that sport because you're not as skilled as others, or, or an injury happens, or you don't get accepted to that college, or whatever it may be, your worth and value, how you feel about yourself, does not need to be diminished. Because those things and those relationships never gave it to you. God wants to give you the gift of an identity in him. So that means that your relationship status is more of an opportunity here's why this is so important. I know I'm spending time on this, but we just got to drill into this for a second. This is why it's so important. Because if your identity comes from who you're dating, you will do anything with that person to keep them in a relationship with you because it's where your identity is founded. But if you know your identity is in God, if you know that you don't need a boyfriend or girlfriend to truly be content, to truly be whole because God has given you that, then when that relationship goes sour or when it's no longer glorifying to God, you can more easily let it go because it never, it never gave you your identity. It's an opportunity. I want to be honest with you again. There's nothing in the Bible about dating. So we can't go to like John 3, 18, where Jesus is like in the middle of a sermon. He's like, by the way, make sure you don't, you know, date her or him. Like, there's nothing in the Bible about that. The reason is because the Bible was written 3,400 years ago, sometimes 2,000 years ago, and dating wasn't a thing. So we can't pinpoint a, a specific verse that teaches us about dating. But thanks be to God, there is a lot in the Bible about relationships. The Bible is full of wisdom and information about how to have relationships that honor God. And so what we are going to do is we're going to look at these passages that talk about relationships. And we're going to sort of sort of uh, contextualize them. We're going to draw out principles and apply them to the year 2022 and how we think about dating. Now here's the thing about dating. i got to start with this. You can't always choose who you're attracted to. I don't want anyone to raise their hand, but I guarantee that all of you have been at one point or time attracted to somebody that you knew was not good for you. It was a boy or a girl. It was somebody that you're like, I don't, I, you know, they, they have all this, they're cool, super hot, really funny, everyone else likes them. Man, I know they're not good for me. I know the relationship wouldn't be good, but girl's hot, like I just can't help it, right? Or boy is fine, and you're like, I just can't. Like, I, I just, I'm, I'm interested. That was good. That was on key, Justin. That was my audition, bro, for worship. Here's the thing. Can I, just, can I just release you of some pressure? It's okay. Sometimes you're attracted to somebody that isn't good for you. That's okay. But do you know what all of you want more than anything? You want control over your lives. You guys in some ways feel powerless 
Everyone else is making decisions for you. Can I empower you and say you can take control over your dating life by recognizing that just because you're attracted to them doesn't mean you should date them. That in fact, you don't have to date everyone that you're attracted to. This is where we begin to let God in and say, Lord, would you help me? So here's the four things we're going to talk about tonight. Here's the four facts about dating God's way. Fact number one is this. When Jesus is number one, you can think about a number two. When you, oh, Selena, y'all, I saw that. When Jesus is number one, you can think about a number two. Fact number two. Six months is better than six seconds. I'm going to explain that. Fact number three. You got to mean it, not just post it. You got to mean it, not just post it. Fact number four, dating like everybody else will get you results like everybody else. Are y'all ready to dig in? Here we go. Fact number one, when Jesus is number one, you can think about number two. The author of Hebrews says this in chapter 12. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Hebrews, he didn't say, he didn't say, fix your eyes on that super hot girl. Fix your eyes on that super dope guy. Fix your eyes on who you're going to marry someday. No, he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. And then in Jesus' own words, he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is trying to make it crystal clear to you and I that our best shot, and don't miss this, our best shot, your best shot at being a godly boyfriend or a godly girlfriend or being a godly wife or a godly husband, your best shot at that only happens when you have a close, intimate relationship with Jesus. Because students, every relationship in your life and how you interact in those relationships will flow out of the question and how you answer who is the God of the universe. If you believe you are the God of the universe, if you believe you are the most important person in the universe, you will use girls, you will use boys for your own gratification because it's all about you. And when you do that, you will live an empty, meaningless life. But if you answer the question, Jesus is the God of the universe, and he says every person is made in my image and is valuable and worthwhile, then I can't take advantage of her. I can't take advantage of him. I need to think about their feelings. I've got to respect them and honor them. All of this happens when you prioritize a relationship with Jesus. So I have to ask you this. How close are you to Jesus right now? How much of a priority is he in your life? If Jesus, and I know again, I know even as I say this, you're going, Eric, that's crazy. Maybe it's true. That if Jesus is not your number one priority, you should not be dating a number two. That if Jesus is not the center of your life, you should not be dating right now. And you shouldn't date somebody, and we'll get into this later, you shouldn't date somebody who Jesus is not the number one in their 
life. So that's, before, as we talk about dating, before we even get into the practicals, you need to first self-evaluate and go, is Jesus truly the number one in my life? Now, I'm not saying that we have to have a perfect relationship with Jesus, right? None of us will ever have a perfect relationship with Jesus. But you know in your heart, whether he is your first priority or whether something else is. And all I'm trying to do is help you. All I'm trying to do is warn you. If there is something else in your life that is more important than Jesus, it will have a negative effect on your relationships. So the question is, how important is Jesus to you? Fact number two is this. Six months is better than six Seconds. Six months is better than six seconds. My, uh, I remember years and years and years ago, my wife Sarah and I and her three sisters, we were all out shopping, which is like hell on earth, right? It's a nightmare. Like I just didn't, I was struggling through it, but we're out there shopping and they all went to this store called Anthropology. Has anyone ever been to Anthropology, right? Basically the best way I can explain Anthropology is uh, the, a candle, like the cheapest thing in anthropology is like $650. Like you have to take out a home loan just to buy something at, at anthropology. So we're at anthropology, Sarah and all of her sisters are trying on these clothes and they're showing each other and there's cute clothes and it's awesome and amazing. But Jenny and I are sitting off to the side and Jenny says, you better check the price tag before you try it on. It'll save you a lot of heartache. And when she said that, I thought to myself, that should be applied to our relationships. That we should have a process by which we check the price tag. We really evaluate and think about this relationship. Look look, look at what Solomon says in Proverbs 31, 31 about a woman. He says, honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Colossians 3.12, Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, meaning live out compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You see, students, it takes about six seconds to determine if you're physically attracted to someone. And our culture has elevated physical attraction being the most important quality. And it will take you about six seconds to determine if you are physically attracted to that person. And the problem is those six seconds end up being the determiner of whether you choose to date that person or not. I'm asking you to do counterculture here. I'm asking you to, instead of listening to those six seconds, to give yourself six months. You see, I think it's so important that that people wait six months to to pursue friendship to really get to know somebody. Look at what Solomon says. He, he's aware of what she has accomplished. He doesn't talk about her, her physical attraction, though in other places he does. I'm not bagging on physical attraction. You should be physically attracted to the person you're dating, that you're married to. That's really important, but it's not the only thing. And then Paul uses this list of Christian virtues, and I'm gonna say something that I hope it doesn't offend you, and I'm only saying it because I love you. I've been the high school pastor for nine years now here at Purvis Church. And so at the end of the day, I just care about loving you guys well. If the person you're dating does not exhibit these qualities, they're not worth your time. And again, I'm not saying perfectly. All of us are in process. 
But if the person you're interested in is not compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, or patient, then they're not living into the Christian virtues, the picture of Christ that we're called to live into. They may be really popular, they may be really cute, they may be incredibly witty, but if they are not those things, then they are not being formed in the image of Christ. I remember when Sarah, my wife, and I, we've been married 12 years now, and I remember when we were just dating. I would drive over to her house, and you guys, I literally used to pray. I was like, God, remind me of the funniest joke I heard this week. Like, remind me of the funniest story. And I was like, God, remind me of the wittiest comment that I can make. Remind me of the coolest bit of information I learned this week, because I wanted to impress Sarah. And I remember one of those drives, the Lord literally convicted me, and I felt like he said, I care more about you honoring and respecting Sarah than impressing her. Guys and girls, as you're in relationships with each other, do you care more about impressing each other or do you care more about being the kind of person that notices these things in each other? It's why friendship is the best way to determine if you are a good match. Well, Maybe you're wondering, okay, over these six months that we're friends, like before we're dating, before we're boyfriend and girlfriend, before we add it in our Instagram bio, like Ricky's girl, you know, with like rings and like all your children's names, like before you do all of that, before you, do, before you go down that rabbit trail, how do you know that they care about you? Here's five signs that they care about you. The first is this. They are more concerned with your heart and less concerned with how you make them look. Number two, they stick with you when others bail. Number three, they speak positively about you in public or with other people. Number four, they are honest with you. And number five, they respect you in public, in private, and over text and social media. Buckle up, because it's about to get real serious here for a minute. Gentlemen, if you are asking for nude pics from girls, stop immediately. There is no place for it. It is completely inappropriate. Ladies, if you receive a guy sliding into your DM or texting you, asking you for nude pics, you immediately block him, you unfollow him, and some of you right now are going, but he needs Jesus, and I need to witness to him. God has other people he can use, okay? You're not the only person that God can use. And I know in some warped way, that can even feel like, oh, they care about me, like, they want to see my body. I'm just telling you, they don't care about you. In any way, they are wanting to use you for their own purposes. You do not mean anything to them. And so ladies, if that happens to you, you immediately unfollow, you block them, you're done with them. Let Jesus find somebody else. He's got a few other people he can use. Gentlemen, if you're doing that, stop immediately. There is no place for that in the family of God. There is no room for that as Christian men. Now, maybe you have done that. And here's the beauty of the gospel. There is forgiveness for you. I don't want you to hear me condemning you. I'm not condemning you. I'm convicting you. I'm reminding you that that's not okay ever. But Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And that's absolutely sin. Jesus died for you. He rose from the dead. So you can confess that sin. And maybe some of you even need to message somebody and say, you know what? That was so inappropriate. I asked for that. I confess that sin and I'm sorry. And so Jesus can forgive you, and he will. But you need to understand, in no way is that ever okay. And ladies, don't tolerate that for a second. All right, Proverbs 17, 24 says this. 
A discerning person keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. You know what's cool about this passage? This is what happens when you're in love, right? Like when you're, when you're, like, when you're really crushing on someone, like don't you dream about like we're going to be 80 together and have a birthday party and all of our grandkids are going to come together. And you literally just start thinking about this future life. What, what is happening is your eyes are wandering to the ends of the earth. But a discerning person keeps wisdom in view. You see, these six months need to be characterized by you discerning whether they're a good fit or not. Here's some things to think about. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, Paul says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? He's talking about relationships. And what Paul is saying here is if you are gonna date somebody, if you're gonna be in a relationship, if you're gonna marry someone, they need to be a follower of Christ. Oh, please forgive me. I love you guys so much, so I'm just gonna say it, but please forgive me. If the person you're dating doesn't love Jesus, they're not right for you. Because, 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 they'll never fully at a deep level understand you. Because if you're a Christ follower, that's the core of who you are. And if somebody doesn't share that, then they won't get you. You need to ask yourself, does this person love Jesus? And I I don't mean, you know, sometimes like, sometimes I'll I'll meet like a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend, they'll come to HSM. And I love that if that's you, that's awesome. I love when you've been here. I think that's so cool. And sometimes if if I'll ask a student, I'll be like, oh, they'll tell me about their boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm like, oh, are they a Christian? And they're like, well, um, their aunt's cat got baptized. And so, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, they're, they're a Christian. And I'm like, they're not a Christian. And this, I'm, not, I'm not bagging on people who don't follow Jesus. I'm saying in a relationship that needs to be a priority. After, I've, I've been working with students, high school students, for 17 years now. And I've learned one thing. I know, I only look like 25, which is amazing. Anyway, <laughs> I've learned this. Whenever students are doing something in secret, it's always a bad thing. What I mean is this. If you're keeping a relationship secret from your parents, it's not going to turn out well. If you're keeping a relationship secret from your life group leaders, from your Christian friends, it's not going to turn out well. I just got to brag on them real quick. I just, Bronte and Austin Saunders right over here. Bronte and Austin. Guys say, hi, Bronte. Hi, Austin. They're two of our leaders. And I love, our leaders are in these amazing relationships. They're such great examples of us. Bronte and Austin, when they were just dating, I remember, I remember Bronte would come to church on Sunday. She'd be all fresh, like ready to get her worship on. And Austin would show up. And I could just tell, I was like, dude, homie is tired, right? Like what's going on? I learned quickly that Austin used to work all night shifts as an EMT. He would work the whole night and still come to church on Sundays. You see, Jesus following was not convenient for Austin. It was not easy, but it was the right thing. And it was the kind of man he is. Question is, are you and I in relationships with those kind of people? Do we have that standard? Um, I remember my, my wife had a friend, my wife Sarah had a friend who, uh, who started dating a guy who didn't love Jesus. And her whole mission was to get him to church and to get him to fall in love with Jesus. After six years of dating, he wasn't a whole lot closer to following Jesus and they eventually got engaged and then they got married. Now, they're not following Christ. Her passion and her desire was for that to happen, but it just, 
it didn't happen. I want to encourage you to make sure that Jesus is the most important center of your relationship. Here, here's two questions to ask before you start dating. Is this relationship good for me? And an even more selfless question, is this relationship good for them? Are you in a good emotional, spiritual, mental place to be in a relationship? And is the person you're interested in in that same place? Fact number three, fact number three, you got to mean it, not just post it. Fact number three, you got to mean it, not just post it. So let's say, let's say you've done six months. You've been friends. You're meeting up with each other. You're hanging out in groups. You're getting to know each other. And it's clear. This person loves Jesus. It's clear that they have character. It's clear that they're going to respect you. What do you do? Well, I want to talk to the guys for a second. And I just want, I know this sounds crazy, but I just want you to consider this. Guys, if you're interested in dating a girl, I want you to go talk with her parents first. To go and approach her parents and ask them if they would be okay with you dating their daughter. You know what that's going to do? That's going to show them the kind of man that you are. That's going to show them how seriously you take their daughter. Number two, know what you want to say. And this is not just to the parents, but now let's say you've talked to the parents, you have their blessing. As you're going to that girl and you want to you invite them to, or you know, invite them, that's a weird thing. You want to you ask them to be your girlfriend, know what you want to say and do not text it, okay? No texting. We're turning off the phones. We're doing this in person and make it meaningful. Really think about it. You guys, before, I've never told you this story before. Before I dated Sarah, I was dating this girl uh, named Shannon. And Shannon and I, she was like my first like actual girlfriend, okay? Like my first real girlfriend. And I had thought through like exactly how I wanted to ask her. So we drove up to like in Ventura, there's like this cool view of the ocean and there's this cross and, and we drove up there and, and we were sitting on like this little ledge and I was talking to her and I, I had talked to her parents and, and so I asked her to be my girlfriend, but I hadn't thought like what I was gonna do a second after that, right? So afterwards, like she said, yes. And then I froze, like I didn't know what to do. And you guys, how embarrassing is this? I just like stared at her and I just, reached out my hand, and we shook hands on it. Like, it was so lame. It was so lame. Like, I didn't hug her or anything. I just was like, cool, it's official. Like, we're making a contract or, like, some kind of deal. Like, it was just, it was awful. Number four, commit together to making Christ the center of your relationship. Number five, establish physical boundaries. Sarah always tells a story of when she was a freshman in high school, her and nine friends, there were 10 of them sitting around in a circle, and one day at lunch, they were asking each other when, when they thought they would have sex. Eight of the girls said, I'm gonna have, like, I, I wanna have sex with my boyfriend when it feels right, when I just feel like he's Mr. Right. Sarah and her friend had made a decision. They said, well, we're gonna wait to have sex until we get married. Fast forward eight years once all those girls had graduated high school and graduated college. The eight that said they really wanted to wait until it felt right, they had sex with their boyfriends. They ended up breaking up with them and they had to deal with all the baggage that came with that. The two, Sarah and her friend who made that commitment, they stuck with it. I recognize that there's some of you in this room who you, you haven't had sex yet. And I wanna encourage you to think about your future spouse to think about your future husband or wife and to know that it's an incredible gift to have, and we'll talk about this in a few weeks when I'm gonna talk about marriage and sex, 
but it's an incredible gift to share with each other. But some of you have had sex. And, and while that's not God's desire outside of marriage, again, there's forgiveness. That you can know the forgiveness. Jesus can forgive all of our sin. He does every day, all of our sin. But you can still make a decision today. You could say, you know what, beginning today, yeah, I've had sex in the past, but beginning today, I wanna honor God. And so I'm gonna wait until God says it's good, until God says that it's right. Number six, honoring each other brings glory to God. And number seven, share your decision with at least one adult. I I think this image is helpful for me. I want you to think about a relationship, like you're on one side, your boyfriend or girlfriend's on the other side, and you're moving towards God together. Now, unfortunately, what a lot of us do is we just focus on building our relationship with each other, and it doesn't actually bring us any closer to God. God's desire is that as you pursue him together, as boyfriend and girlfriend, and as future husband and wife, that you would not only grow closer to each other, but you would grow closer to God in the process. To which I need to ask you, if you're thinking about dating or if you're dating someone, if six months from now you are not closer to Jesus than you are today, that's not a healthy, good relationship. That your relationship should be helping you grow closer to Jesus. In fact, if you're in a relationship, make this your theme verse. Make Proverbs 27, 17 your theme verse. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This is a beautiful motto, phrase, verse to, to, to define your relationship. Again, the goal is not just that you do what you want to do or you do what culture says is okay, but that you have the kind of relationship where where you're sharpening one another, you're you're helping one another follow God. I love what C.S. Lewis said, a woman's heart should be so close to God that a man should have to chase him to find her. Fact number four, our final one for tonight is this. Dating like everybody else will get you results like everybody else. So if you don't want to, and many of you have seen the relationships around you, you've seen how toxic they can get. You've seen how unhealthy they can get. Here's how you avoid that. You have three relationship focuses. Number one is this, seek Jesus first. Just because you found a number two doesn't mean you give up your number one. And, and even, I mean, I'm a married man to Sarah. I've been married 12 years. Sarah is number two in my heart. Jesus is number one. So it doesn't just change when you get married. Number two, keep your friends close. We've all been these people, or maybe we've had this person in our friend circle where we're like super close, and then all of a sudden they get a boyfriend or girlfriend, and it's like they left you on red, they ghost you, you don't see them. Like you're like, man, maybe you moved out of country. Like I don't even know you anymore. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. It's healthy to have lots of different relationships and friendships in your life. And number three, commit to honoring God together. Now, this is a big, long list, so I'm going to read through it quickly, but it's in your notes if you're like, okay, but practically, what does it look like to honor God together? Here's a few suggestions. Asking how they're doing with Jesus. Make that a regular question you ask. Hey, how are you and your relationship with Jesus? Number two, asking intentional questions. Number three, committing to praying for each other. 
Number four, investing in their family and friends. Number five, dressing and carrying yourself in a way that honors God. Number six, hanging out privately in view of others. Number seven, opening doors for her, speaking kindly and honorably to each other. Number eight, only making promises you can keep. Number nine, speaking positively to them and about them. Number 10, always respecting each other physically, emotionally, and verbally. And last, number 11, when in doubt, asking yourself, would we do this in front of an adult we respect? Students, if you're in a relationship right now, or you're gonna follow that six months, you're gonna be friends for six months, and then you're gonna become boyfriend and girlfriend, ask one adult and one friend to hold you accountable. If you're dating right now, who in your life, what Christians in your life know about your relationship and can call you out on things? Proverbs 15.22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Maybe some of you after this talk, you're honestly afraid of relationships. All you've seen is a train wreck of past relationships. All you've seen is divorce. All you've seen is people having unhealthy, toxic relationships. Remember that singleness should be prized, not pity. Singleness is an incredible season for however long it lasts to focus on God, to build that relationship and to serve him. Number two, learn from the great relationships around you. Your life group leaders, other pastors, other people at church, your friends' parents, If you have healthy, find healthy relationships in your life and ask them what makes their relationship so great. And number three, remember time is your friend, not your enemy. Don't feel the pressure that in high school or college you have to find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. Remember that time is your friend. Because after all, God wants to use your relationship status for your good and his glory. And that, at least from my perspective,